Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. was the night before Christmas and from the east to the west the rank squad were dreaming of the thing they love best the white of the touchlines the green of the grass the crisp perfect nature of a defense splitting pass the feel of the stadium the roar of the crowd the voices that start small and swell as one to loud of that joyful emotion when things go your way or the dread and disappointment when it's just not your day it's the beautiful fragility of this game we so adore as it swings on a knife edge and keeps us wanting more at this point last year we were banned from the grounds but as the tumbleweed rolled in the absence of our sounds we made ourselves a promise not to forget what we had missed that when we returned we do more than just exist we wouldn't take for granted the joy or the pain the celebrations or the wonder if you'll ever win again the love and the torment your heart in your mouth the anguish as the lead you have very quickly tumbles south the halftime pint a new player's new song the singing your heart out to try and drive your team on the world's a wee bit different from the one that we won new but let's keep pushing onwards in 2022 let's face up to hatred and fight discrimination let's remember that this game is our creed and our nation it's football that we love here a passion shared by us all remember united as fans we stand but divided we will fall we fought a super league off this year and that fight won't be our last so remember what's worth fighting for and what can be outcast so merry christmas rank squad to every one of you wonderful souls and our new year hopes our happiness chaos melons fun and goals hello rank squad and welcome to the ranks fc podcast this is your favorite football podcast back for our christmas special my name is jack collins and i will be your host today and joining me today i have one regular in the form of the rank god mr sam tai Hello, my friend. Yes, I'm always here, aren't I? You are always here. Uh, but we have a special guest for you as well. Dean has laryngitis, so we've called in the big guns. We've called in the reinforcements. I'm delighted to welcome to the show Mr. Petrit Barisha, head of crypto at Copper and also of the State of Play podcast, one of my favorites in the game. Pet, it's lovely to finally have you on the pod. Yeah, real pleasure to be on. Not a regular, but I do speak to Sam probably too regularly so there we have it (laughs) an annoying amount i i'd probably i think we both probably say that so there we have it yeah it's a happy it's a happy relationship that we both speak to each other a bit too much it's um (laughs) no i I mean i feel the same so um here we are i feel the same about Sam. but honestly it's a a real pleasure to have you i'm uh, I'm excited about this and excited to have you on our christmas special what an episode do we join us for i'm really really excited to be on I don't really know what's coming, which is even funner. So there we have it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's coming. So this is it. We just, we just gave Sam the keys today and we're like, here you go, do something fun and Christmassy. Always dangerous, um, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. But before we get on to Sam's Christmas presents, uh, we are going to do things we love. And Sam, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so my things we love this week, it has to be twofold. I mean, I think I've got I've got something I love and I need to talk about. But the first thing I have to do is give a big shout out on the podcast to one of our patrons, Lucas Calderon, for the amazing Christmas gift package that he sent to our studio last week. So just before we were heading out for a couple of Christmas drinks to end off the year at Live Score Studios, we open up this package all the way from California. And Lucas very kindly has sent us three 
Atletico Nacional jerseys, his chosen oh, wow. Colombian club, and eight or nine tubes of Pringles, all of different flavors that we can't get over here in the UK. I've got some right next to me. I've been tucking into them. Parmesan and roasted garlic. We've got ranch. We've got pizza. We've got pickle and dill, I think it is, or something. I haven't I haven't plucked up the courage to eat those just yet. Um, but oh, what a generous gift, Lucas. And uh, obviously, we said thank you to you on Twitter, said thank you to you on Discord. But uh, I think it deserved a shout on the podcast as well. Lucas also wrote us a poem um, as part of this thing. He, he did lots of things. He ranked why acquiring the Pringles annoyed him, but he also sent us a poem, which I'm going to read out because it's really good. Um, he said, Roses are red. I got you some Pringles. I use dodgy football streams that advertise local singles. There are no better pods than Ranks FC. Thanks for the community you've built. It means a lot to me. So shouts out, Lucas. It was a, it was a gift for the ages. Um, and uh, I'm really, really pleased it's with my jersey. One really, for the wall. really nice. Yeah, really nice. I, Jack, I think you could take some inspiration and some cues from such a masterful piece of poetry. Most it's short notably, to begin with. It's short and concise. <laughs> it took just 10 seconds to read out. Anyway, it's not my style, mate. It's not my style. All on right, what's go. your thing you love? The thing I actually love is Jorge Molina and his hat-trick that he scored this weekend just gone for Granada. He is 39 years of age. He will turn 40 in April. He is the oldest player ever to score a hat-trick in Europe's top five leagues, and he did it in a 4-1 win over Real Mallorca. It was awesome. He is such a good player. He's one of my favourites over at Granada. He just keeps going. He just keeps going. And he's such a good citizen as well, it feels like. He always turns up to the post-match, always speaks incredibly calmly and coherently, always thanks the fans. Very, very modest. Clearly just loves playing football, keeps himself in amazing shape. And you know what? He's not the only 40-odd-year-old target man out there keeping himself in great shape. Thanks to Sports Science for giving us Jorge Molina, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and probably a couple more. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a, a wonderful hat-trick um, and, and a lovely story as well. So mm. as Granada dragged themselves away from the relegation spots in time for Christmas, Sam, you must be delighted. Mate, for eight points in four games. There you go. What it's, is it it's last unheard season? Of. It's unheard of at Nuevo Los Carmenes. Uh, <laughs> right, with that, Pet, what's your thing we love this week? Mine is going to be Martinelli's winks. And they've, they're probably becoming a bit too regular in the sense that I think he's forgetting when to and when to not wink. So if you watch <laughs> Arsenal with regularity at all, like I do, I'm an Arsenal fan. Martinelli's been on fire, obviously, the last couple of weeks since he came off the, the bench and scored against Newcastle. And he's pretty much been in every post-match presser since that game. And in every single one, he's winked. And in every single post-match <laughs> presser he's been on, he's winked more. And in the latest <laughs> one, which was after Leeds, where obviously he was just unbelievable, right? He gave the, the young Leeds right back who was making his first or second start, I think, an absolute torrid time. Like, yeah. really, really, really... Um, unfortunate for him to be against such a such an informed player on the day but in the post-match press conference he must have winked about seven times and I was just <laughs> like at first it was kind of cute funny cheeky you know that like the, the borderline between like cheeky and arrogant which you know a lot of like really good players have but then I was kind of like I think he just doesn't know when to when to wink and not and um the Arsenal social media manager posted a picture of him winking in training uh, <laughs> yesterday and I was just like where is this going like it's just becoming <laughs> like and I can also see the memes that when it, whenever he stops scoring or if Arsenal go on a bad run there's going to be loads of wink material but for now I'm really loving the winks I find them a bit 
strange when he's in the middle of sent like if I just started winking now that was like the equivalent of what he's doing in <laughs> in the Leeds post-match press conference but again like he's just amazing and I think that wink does kind of sum him up on on and off the pitch he's a super great guy you saw like on social media um Ray Parler posting a picture of him uh with Martelli at bowling and saying like great to great to catch up with Gabby or see him at the alley and have a pint and I think his response was like bowling tick strikes tick and then pints x <laughs> which I thought was really funny but <laughs> that, yeah like that was about I saw yeah, I just yeah, saw yeah, the Martinelli yeah. tweet that yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so that was obviously Ray Parler um you, you know if pints are involved so is he but yeah the Gab- Gabby Martinelli wink is is my my thing I love Absolutely. And that form, I imagine. He's uh, having himself a little bit of a storm. It's lovely to see him back. Um, it, it's always enjoyable to see Gabby Martinelli doing nice things because he seems like a really like pleasant bloke. He seems like a really nice geezer. Um, so when he's playing well, I, I always, it always makes me smile. So I uh, I fully concur, Pat. Fully concur. Um, I'm going to talk for my thing I love this week about Shelter's No Home Kit campaign on Boxing Day, where nearly 100 clubs in the EFL, non-league, the Welsh leagues, are going to abandon their usual home shirts and instead they're going to be wearing their away strips or their third kits to support those in the UK this Christmas without a home. Um, Shelter have you know, a vast history of, of supporting homelessness at Christmas. And uh, there are plenty of things that need to be done, but this is a campaign that I, I really like. I mean, homelessness has risen dramatically over the course of the last decade. And I think over the last two years or so during this pandemic, it's really kind of hammered home the importance of having a safe place to live, to to be like never before. And yet more than 180,000 households have been made homeless in the UK since March 2020. Over the course of that 90 minutes of that Boxing Day fixture, 25 households will be made homeless. I mean, the UK is one of the richest nations on earth. These are outrageous numbers. And Football, I think, is about finding yourself at home, away from home, right? I found a home at a young age at Craven Cottage, but also more recently in my travels at the Artemio Franchi, at the Via Marine, at places I've traveled and, and loved watching the game all over the world. Um, and so for everyone to get behind this campaign and, uh, and really drill down into helping shelter support those who are homeless uh, over the Boxing Day fixtures about kind of drilling home, What's important at this Christmas time and on Boxing Day, I think it's a really, really important campaign and it's one that I'm going to be getting behind. So yeah, the thing I love this week is a really wonderful campaign, No Home Kit from Shelter and the link um, to find out more about the campaign is going to be in the description to this podcast. Um, So yeah, that's a nice one. I I wish the Premier League had got involved. Um, Obviously there was quite a, a backlash about the fact that the Premier League stopped teams wearing their away kits on Boxing Day to support this campaign. There are a lot of Premier League teams who have said that despite that ban, they're going to get behind the campaign in other ways and in any way they can. Um, but I thought that was a, a sad state of affairs. And uh, I'm really glad the EFL have, have jumped on board and we've seen some real support from uh, the likes of Forest Green Rovers and uh, whose chairman, Del Vince, has been a, a kind of vocal, vocal, outspoken a supporter of this campaign. So, yeah, um, that's my thing I love. A little bit more serious, a little bit off um, the, the pitch, perhaps, but uh, something really worthwhile, I thought. Yeah, a bit more serious than being sent Pringles from California, but, ju- yeah, very worthwhile, Jack. Very well said. Okay, right. After the break, we are going to be giving out some Christmas presents. I have no idea what's coming. Pet has no idea what's coming. Only Sam really understands what is going to come in the next segment, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Don't go in. 
Welcome back to the Ranks FC podcast. And Sam, it's time for, well, not a ranking per se this week, but it's time for you to give out some Christmas presents. You're going full Santa on us here. Yeah, full Santa Claus here. I'm going to don my Santa hat and I'm going to start giving out some presents to managers who really, really need a favour or two from Father Christmas come December 25th. Uh, The first thing I tried to do was decide what I would be giving to Marcelo Bielsa. But I checked the factory and we don't have enough L's to create enough gifts to satisfy Marcelo Bielsa. There just isn't enough of a workforce to really solve all of that man's problems. I think the best thing to do a trip to the Pokemon Center where it just goes ding, 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 and flashes and all of your players are healed. That would be amazing. Unfortunately, I'm not able to take Marcelo Bielsa and his team into the virtual world and uh, and fix all of his problems. So unfortunately, Marcelo has been left off the list. And our first present goes to Ralph Rangnick, who has inherited an extremely talented Man United squad. But as we keep saying, an extremely imbalanced Manchester United squad. We know they need a holding midfielder. They've needed it for two years. I'm not going to bore you to tears with those details again. But January, as you know, is not that opportunity. It's not that shopping window for that elite solution. So if you've written to Santa, Man United fans, and you're asking for Ndidi, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, it is not going to happen this month. But some kind of short-term solution has been on my list and is exactly what Ralph Rangnick has asked for. So when Ralph goes downstairs on Christmas morn, he will find Diego Demi to be unwrapped. Now, Diego Demi is a dedicated holding midfielder and he did a really good job for RB Leipzig for for six years from 2014 to 2020 before he then moved on to Napoli. And in 2018, 2019, Leipzig finished third in the Bundesliga. Ralph Rangnick was the manager and Diego Demi made 26 appearances in holding midfield. He's not being utilised by Napoli that much this season, a little bit recently because of an injury crisis, but I don't get the impression that Spalletti is that interested in Diego Demi moving forward. And at age 30, I'm not going to sit here and claim that he's the, he's the long-term solution and he's a prized possession, but United need this profile in their midfield and they need to do something about it for the next six months or 12 months or 18. And Demi knows Rangnick, Demi knows Rangnick's system, I think this is a nice short-term solution. It's a nice idea. I, I like it conceptually. Um, mm. I am going to just remind you, though, that currently, as we stand, AFCON is going ahead and Napoli are going to lose Andre Frank Zambo and Gisa for mm. the next month. Um, and I would suggest that the last thing they're going to be doing, having <laughs> having having that in the tank and, and about to lose Angisa, is go, oh, here you go, have one other of our central midfielders when we're in the middle of a central midfielder injury crisis. Yeah, I'm banking on a couple of the midfielders coming back to fitness, like Fabio and Ruiz could get could get more healthy. Uh, Lobotka's still banging around, and uh, yeah, maybe it happens. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not on the twenty fifth of December. Maybe the twenty fifth <laughs> of January. Uh, but this is, this is something that I think for over a six month period would really suit United, really suit Demi, and I just don't think I don't think Napoli are going to miss him that much. Pat, last year we gave Manchester United uh, 10 coupe miners uh, <laughs> over, over the Christmas period. That one didn't oh, yeah. pan out. Um, yeah. It would have been it would have been a solution that we thought might have worked. It, it felt like the right kind of profile for them. Demi, yes, no? Uh, I'm, look, to be honest with you, I think it'd be... I think I'm with you, Jack, on the AFCON. Like... Napoli have just are just so injury ridden at the moment, and when you consider COVID as well, 
and how quickly that's spreading throughout the UK, predominantly, but also the US, and eventually it's going to make its way through through the rest of Europe. I, I think it'd be difficult to prize them away from a team that are trying to compete for the title and look like they're probably going to be in a two-horse race as probably Milan fall away. Uh, and Atalanta are obviously quite inconsistent. For me, a guy that me and Sam really love is is Wilmar Barrios. And he's mm-hmm. been linked with, you know, a team every single season. And if you consider that the Russian league doesn't actually start till February, I'm not saying he's someone that United will get. He's been linked with United in the past, predominantly by Colombian newspapers, to be fair. But I do think he is just so highly regarded um, in Colombia and by a lot of by a lot of scouts, by a lot of coaches. I, I am surprised he hasn't made that leap yet. Um, but I, I am kind of interested to see if he does get many links. And I'm not saying he goes to United, but you could see him you know, moving to, to, to a very good team. Cause he is a very, very good holding midfield player. And now maybe he's too pure a holding midfield player for a, for someone like Ragnick who, who likes this kind of four, two, two system, but like, yeah, it, it's possible that that is the profile of player that they've been looking for, but I don't really have a, a name other than, um, yeah, I, I, it's weird though, isn't it? United, like this massive club, we're talking about Wilmar Barrios and Diego Demi. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's, it's crazy to think, right? Because I mean, well, it's January, isn't it? I mean, if yeah. it's summer, we'd be talking about different level of name. I mean, one, one that isn't necessarily holding midfielder, but is a central midfielder is Sergei Milinkovic Savic, who's just publicly fallen out with, um, with Maurizio Sarri and he'll probably end up staying in Italy, but he has been someone that's been linked to United for seemingly like Forever, ever since, yeah. like, yeah, ever since Paul Pogba moved and ever since Paul Pogba has been linked away, Milinkovic Savage has been kind of touted as the replacement and he's not going to be the solution in holding midfield, but it doesn't really look like Paul Pogba is going to sign a new deal. Mm. Um, so I wonder if that's an option again it's not the exact it wouldn't make United any more balanced but I do think that is also someone in central midfield that they might be looking at it's a name that would excite the United fan base right isn't it I mean look Malikovic Savage is a wonderful footballer there's there's no doubt about that and yes he has good days and bad days but on the whole you're looking at a player who is a glorious watch you know glides across the turf he's a really really enjoyable footballer to keep an eye on and a name that's big enough to probably satisfy whereas perhaps a a Wilmar Barrios Zenit obviously or Diego Demi who is a bit popular at Napoli are not the names that they're looking for Demi I think is probably Sam in, in terms of all of this the best fit I think you're right mm. um, I just can't see Napoli letting him go um, but it's it's an interesting one yeah I mean look all good points raised by both of you but I already had the L's pack up and wrap <laughs> Diego Demi he's in the box I put a few holes in it so he could breathe and he's on his way so like, I wish you'd raise these concerns with me before I did that because I've already paid the shipping okay. anyway DHL are, uh, DHL I, are I just it. want to shout out one other player because I was thinking as as you were speaking Sam about players in the Prem because I don't necessarily think we'll see a lot of domestic movement within players but there are a lot of players worldwide now that are coming up to the end of their contracts or into their final years and I think this is probably due to some you know for some accounting purposes from clubs so that they can you know forecast in the right manners due to due to the the pandemic and such but Douglas Louise has a year left in the summer and he's obviously always been linked back to City he's turned into basically a guy that can play six and a three or like in a double pivot. I wonder if that's going to be an interesting option. He's in the same way that um, 
you know, you always get that ra- like a, a Premier League player that doesn't really get linked with many teams, and then all of a sudden everyone wants. Um, I think he could be one, and you know, w- watch that space not necessarily in January, but potentially in the summer as well. Yeah, at his best level, he is a top six caliber player. Yeah, uh, we've seen it on and off. Uh, I'd say so. He just has his patches. He does three months on, three months off. There's a consistency element there. That's probably it's like he works on an oil rig. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, it's a good. It's a good analogy. That's really good. Use, actually, we can use that moving forward. Oil rig players, three months oh, on, three months off. Um, yeah, so it's another good shout. But uh, anyway, as I said, Demi has been packed up and wrapped. Uh, so look, let's move on to my next present, and it goes to David Moyes, West Ham. Now, West Ham are fighting a very similar battle to United in the table. They've both got. You know, Champions League in their sights. They've both got fourth place in their sights. West Ham looked a lot better than United for the early stages of the season, but they have stuttered a little bit. Injuries play a part in that. Injuries at the back in particular, but I think there's some general fatigue creeping in as well. They're playing every three days. The squad isn't the biggest. Then you add the injuries and you kind of get this. And before the season, Jack, we sat here every week and we were just banging on the table. Please, 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 West Ham, buy another striker. Mikel Antonio's fitness record would suggest that he will not make it all the way through a season as your single number nine. And while Jared Bowen can step in, why don't you just buy another one? And uh, yeah, turns out actually Antonio's fitness record has been really good. Problem is he hasn't scored for nine games. He's got about 800 minutes without a goal. And the most annoying thing for West Ham fans is that in the middle of that patch, he's gone away and scored twice for Jamaica. So that really rubs the salt in the wounds. It's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? As, as James Lorenzo said in last call the other day, he is a player bang out of form. <laughs> it's really weird. I mean, we know Antonio is great. I'm not saying replace him. He just needs some help. And David Moyes needs another striker. Now, when you sit down with your elves and you figure out exactly what kind of gift to give David Moyes in this area, you have to be very specific. You have to lean on past experiences. You know two very important things. Number one is that David Moyes has a type of striker. Don't give him a target man like Sebastian Allaire, who tries to play back to goal and bounce passes. Don't give him a poacher with a lack of physicality like Javier Hernandez. Give him the aggressive, mobile, channel-running striker that he clearly loves. Antonio, Arnautovic, Yakubu, his history and his successes are pretty much earmarked by these types of strikers. That is his type. And the other thing to consider is that we're asking for a striker here who's obviously going to be of a certain level, who's going to cost a certain price because it needs to be good enough to play for West Ham. So this player probably needs to be able to play wide or in a two as well as up front on his own because you can't buy a player for 30 or 40 million pounds and have him as a backup to Mikel Antonio. They need to be able to coexist at points as well as give them give themselves a little bit of relief. So my solution to this problem is to give them Marcus Turam of Borussia Mönchengladbach, mm. whose profile I think fits perfectly. Mikel Antonio kind of player in terms of the way he barrels into the channels, a player who can play wide, a player who has played in a two very successfully. Look, guys, it's not a cheap gift and it was not easily acquired. But I checked my budget and I had the elves find some petty cash lying around and we made up the sums just about and we've managed to deliver it. Marcus Turam and you're going to tell me that Gladbach are in a relegation scrap and they don't want to... But look, this is going to be... They're not going to sell their best player. This is going to be be a common theme, but I don't actually think there are that many teams outside of England that are going to be able to resist monster offers. This will be a theme that comes back later in in, in the present giving as well. And a team like Gladbach in a country like Germany that that was hit really hard 
during the pandemic. I do wonder what a big bid could do. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I think that that is, that is something that's worth tapping into. Um, my, my only thought in that why the Gladback might not is that currently, we talked about this a little bit on Monday's post um, they are so, so close to this relegation scrap. It's really uncomfortable when you're looking mm-hmm. at the Bundesliga and you're looking at them and Wolfsburg as well, right? Two sides who last year were pushing for European spots and now we're looking at teams, well, Wolfsburg got a Champions League spot, Gladbach fell a little bit short, whatever. But it it, it looks at the way that you're panning out and you look at the league table and you're like, oh God, I think that Gladbach and Wolfsburg, but in this case, Gladbach, will be looking at the likes of Werder Bremen. They will be looking at the likes of Hamburg and they will be going, oh no, oh no. Because if you do- if you drop down to the Zwei Bundesliga, the chances are you might get stuck. Mm. Um, and a, a club of Borussia Mönchengladbach's size cannot get stuck in the, in the Zwei Bundesliga. A, a, a club of Hamburg's size shouldn't be getting stuck in the, in the Zwei Bundesliga. A club of Werder Bremen's size shouldn't be getting stuck in the Zwei Bundesliga. But... Gladbach will look at that and go, it's not easy when you're down there. Schalke, like, you know, mm. there's a lot of teams here that you're going, they haven't fought their way back. They haven't found their way back to the light. Um, and I think that Gladbach <laughs> will resist all and any attempts to prize anyone away from them this summer, or this January, who could keep that club afloat in the Bundesliga this year. Well, it's not up to them, is it? It's up to Santa. <laughs> also, who's, um, who's Marcus Turam's agent? Uh, do you know the answer? I, I do, but I just thought it's it's you know it's the, it's the big one. Is it? Is oh, it Raiola? Is it Minnow? He's a Raiola player. So, well, the move is never off the cards when Minnow. The move is never off the never off the cards. I didn't know that, but it suits my point perfectly. Perfect. I think I sh- I'm 99% sure it is, but like mm. he likes to move all his players at once, doesn't he? Like, look at all the <laughs> players he's got on his cards, and they could all move. Like Paul Pogba. Matthias Delict is being ever linked away. Yeah, well, um, thanks to Raiola, yeah. Yeah, thanks to Raiola. Kessie. Um, Kessie. No, yeah, Kessie. Is he? I think he, he might be. Who is he? He's not Milinkovic Savage as well, no. Um, but like, let pretty much everyone he's got on his books like could move between now and the next 18 months. It's Haaland, obviously. Like, you know, yeah. it's uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, I, I really love Marcus Toram. He's obviously had a downturn in form. They'd be buying him while the while the, the stocks are low. I mean, another striker they were linked with was um, Yusuf El Nesiri, right? Yeah. Um, he's also been troubled with injuries, quite a few hamstring injury uh, issues this season. You'll fit right in at West Ham. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, two, bad hamstring, come on in. Two, two <laughs> outside of top five Europe players that could be interesting. Um, one's Onuachu at Genk, who was linked with a, load, a host of clubs in the summer and, and didn't end up going even up till the final day because I think Genk were looking for about 20 million. But like... The financial situation in Belgium is is not great. There are a lot of teams that are like, you know, big clubs like Standard Liège who are working on, you know, horrible budgets and owners looking to sell. Um, there's also Jordan Larson. Oh my God, I've to- literally was about to say this. This is the exact <laughs> You're going to say Jordan Larson. I was going to, I have Jordan Larson pulled up. I've just written down his record in in, in the Russian Premier League. So he's, he's had a bad season. Yes. Uh, bad, a bad, especially bad second half of the season. And they've just signed a strike, a Jamaican international striker, Spartak Moscow from the Belgian league. I can't remember his name, but he's got a really good record, um, which, which should you know, considering the other firepower that Spartak have, see Jordan Larson out. And um, he's been linked with Celtic, obviously, being um, 
you know, the heir to Hemrick, obviously. But he could also, like, you know, he's a player that could play out wide in a two, up top on his own. I just don't know if it's a player that could come in and have as big an impact as, you know, some of the guys we've mentioned in in the Siri, uh, or even Onowachu, who's quite prolific. But I think he might be a little bit too much in the Haller mould. Um, but it'll be really interesting. I think West Ham do need players. Like they, they obviously need more firepower. Um, they they probably need a centre-back at this rate as well. And, um, you know. and they had loads of them once. They had loads point. of them. They about had loads about of them. a month ago, they had arguably too many centre-backs. Yeah. And now they arguably need another one. Yeah. It's been I a mean, bit cruel for them. Yeah, it's that they're kind of an injury away from... Rice or Suchek having to play play in mm. defence, aren't they? So I don't know if it's like a Tarkovsky move for them or something like that. Someone who's uh, whose contracts ended up in the summer, but um, yeah, they they definitely need another striker. I mean, I watched them. Obviously, I've watched a load of their games because my flatmate's a West Ham fan. But against Arsenal, they just looked so toothless and. It's bizarre that, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, kind of glad Antonio went to right wing for the rest of that game or right wing back, whatever happens with Moyes. But he was actually weirdly more effective from there. And I, I think it's just kind of a, a symptom of him lacking confidence. And, and to your point, Sam, about him scoring for Jamaica, one of the goals he scored oh my was God. a goal that he'd never scored for West Ham. He'd never... It's like, you know, when I was... 17 and I play for school versus my like Saturday team you know you, you try like as outrageous a thing as you could for your school team and and not for your for your proper team on the weekends and it just feels like that's kind of what Antonio is doing yeah. with West Ham it's just it's just a confidence thing and yeah I mean Santa needs to gift West Ham firepower in the form of a strike or someone else across that front line hmm. yeah very much so oh, so just 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 remember as well Jack obviously yeah they don't want to say goodbye to Marcus Turan, but I don't think West Ham should be afraid of bidding bidding big and being ambitious in January and, no. and bidding for a really, really good player. And like someone like Turan could move the needle for them. And that then gives Gladbach potentially 40 million to then go and reinforce the squad. Yeah, um, it's it. not as if you just take a player away from them and go, right, that's it, bye. <laughs> they, do, uh, they do get some compensation for that. Uh, but we'll move on to our next present. And the next present goes to Eddie Howe who has taken charge of Newcastle United and has taken charge of a club with a lot of problems. Nothing's really Eddie Howe's fault, but the situation is they are 19th in the league. They have a minus 23 goal difference of 10 points from 18 games. There's suggestions of a pact um, between the Premier League's top order. Dean Jones, our very own, uh, reported about this on our Ranks FC newsletter last month. The top six or seven have kind of loosely agreed not to give Newcastle any players, uh, mm-hmm. sale or loan this January, because, you know, if they can keep them down for as long as possible, it probably serves their interest, given Newcastle are now the richest club in world football. Uh, now, how strong that pact is and, and, and how how firmly they stick to it is a, is a question mark, but the Listen, intention at least is there. If Arsenal get a 30 million offer for Rob Holding, he is going to go to Newcastle. <laughs> I don't care what any pacts. I'm very saying. sorry, Pat. I'm very sorry to inform you that the top seven does not include Arsenal. Oh, <laughs> that is that is harsh. Let's <laughs> say if you got 30 million for Rob Holding, you should be biting people's hands off like yes, aggressively, packed or no pack. In fact, you'd be like, "Look, lads, we fooled them." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we fooled. Them. <laughs> Rob Holding is a perfectly yeah, adequate player. And would great be good hair transplant as well. It would Brilliant. be good for Newcastle. Really I'm sure. Transplant. But he is not good enough for us. No. He would, yeah. Um, 
look, the Premier League top six, top seven loan uh, cast off route may be out of their reach. It's it's possible, and the the suggestion that they can just go ahead and look abroad and buy bet the best players from abroad it has a flaw in it. It's that yeah, we are still in a pandemic. The Premier League is a different league to everybody else and it is faster and furious and it does take time to adapt to. Newcastle are in a really bad situation where they need players to hit the ground running pretty damn fast and not everybody that comes in from abroad can do that. They can, they just can't adapt as quickly. Some can, but some can't and there is an inherent risk in there. Also, everyone looking at the table goes, mm, maybe I'll wait till the summer, see if they stay up. You know, Being down there in 19th with a minus 23 goal difference has clear drawbacks. You're not an attractive proposition even if there's like a mega wage on offer because it's just going to get slashed if you go down to the championship so to me that leaves one like really obvious remaining route and that is you should shop in the championship and we know that there are loads of championship players that are able to take that step up to the Premier League every year we see probably about a dozen of them do it and it's pretty successful and there's one position in particular and it's interesting that you guys mentioned Rob Holding because there is one position that transitions from the championship to the Premier League almost flawlessly and very very fast and it is centre-back this, the Premier League is just full of centre-backs that once played in the Championship and have made that step up really quite gracefully. And as a result of that, I think that's probably the, the easiest quick lift-off Newcastle can get in terms of shopping in the Championship. Buy a centre-back. You clearly need one. And I'm going to give them Rob Dickey from QPR. Jack, did mm. you expect me to say that? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Tosin Adrobayo and I was going to have to kick off. Although I'll, on, on, the, on the performance that he gave last night against Sheffield United, I might have might have taken it. Right. Well, look, um, I never, I never, I'm always trying to, you know, keep you happy and stuff. Thanks, you know? mate. And, uh, Santa, Rob, Rob, Santa's a good guy. Yeah, Santa supports Fulham. Um, Rob Dickey from QPR. Uh, no doubt about it, he could improve this team, and he will translate very quickly. Dickey at QPR. Looks to me like Harry Maguire when he was at Hull. He just starts running with the ball from the centre-back position. It just goes 20, 30 yards, powers through a load of challenges. And a couple of times at the end of those runs, he's just pinged it in the corner from 30 yards. He's got a hell of a strike on him. I think he's a good passer. I think he's got good defensive chops. He's at a really good age. He's about 25 years of age. Mm -hmm. And I know that QPR are on a bit of a charge right now. They look good for the playoffs. But again, we come back to that point of, so many football clubs have been financially ruined by the pandemic. And you can't tell me that a championship club that has been in that division for six, seven years, like QPR, can't, they just can't reject a big offer for a centre-back like Rob Dickey. Like if you offered them 15, 18 million, they'd, I think they'd have to take it. Surely their financial position is they have to take that. And I think this is a really easy win for Newcastle as well. QPR are transitioning into a sustainable club as well. They've, you know, gone away from the big kind of money spending that, that accompanied those trips into the Premier League, those forays and all of those mad wages that we saw on, on Chris Samba and, and his ilk. Um, mm. But they have calmed down massively. They've decided that that is not the way forward, which is good. Uh, from a QPR perspective, it means that they're sustainable. Um, but they also are trying to build a new training ground. There's talk of Loftus Road needing to needing to leave Loftus Road and and, and find a new stadium if they're going to expand. Um, so QPR are a club who have ideals of going and building new complexes and maybe a new ground. Yes, they want to get to the Premier League. Yes they will look at this squad and think, we should probably not break this up because we've got a good thing going on. But they will consider that, I think, is the is the key element here because of the fact that they want to 
give themselves a base from which to kick on from at the moment that they just don't have because mm. their academy is spread over West London. There is a, like a little bit of, of it everywhere. They want to create this kind of all-inclusive centre. that, And that's what the QPR bond was all about and, and all of these elements of, of getting fans to invest within their own club. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually do agree with you on this. I think if you gave, if you gave them a, a serious offer, QPR would consider it. Mm. I think he'd be. I think he'd be a better fit for for Eddie Howe's defensive line than Kieran Clark, who now ducks out of headers and gives away goals. Really good um, defending, and um, and yeah, someone like Jamal Lachelle, who I guess I'm just still a little bit. Um, John I'm Egan, yeah. John Egan, maybe here as well. John Egan is more than capable Premier League footballer. Yeah, um, yeah, and and would be able to step up, and I'd imagine Sheffield United similar. You know, would be especially considering. You know, yes, they're going to be back in the chasing pack and this is a talented squad and under Heckingpot I imagine they'll improve but I do think if you you offered a decent money for John Egan you could mm. probably get him out of Sheffield United probably yeah I mean look I think the prevailing point is like Newcastle may be blocked out of the market from the top six seven cast offs they may not want to take that risk from foreign clubs it's such an easy win here for Newcastle to go shopping in the championship and just get the just get those players that can make that natural step up they already live here they know the culture they know the speed of the game it's such an obvious route to me and if Newcastle are sat there kind of going oh no we can't get Jesse Lingard on loan our January plans are in ruins like (laughs) just look down just look down I think there is also another option players abroad that used to play in the Premier League I thought you were going to say Callum Chambers I, I was actually thinking about that, but then I was like, let's move away from Arsenal. Because I'm like, the pack, there are a lot of like, load your Deadwood. I know what you're up but to. But there are, do you know what I mean? There is like quite a few mid-table, mid to like eighth place calibre Arsenal players that could help Newcastle. But again, look, the pact is the pact, right? <laughs> um, Aaron Ramsey, right, is someone that just isn't in Allegri's plans. He seems to be fit for Wales and injured for Juventus all the time. Ah, the Gareth Bale complex. The the Gareth Bale complex (laughs) that has spread over to Aaron as well. I just think that could be an option, right? Like, it's it's probably a loan move because, let's be honest, they don't want to buy a player who has that kind of contract on on him. Um, They probably are going to have a loan agreement with Juventus where they pay half his wages or something like that. And there you have a player who automatically becomes your best central midfielder. Um, I'd feel sorry for um, for the, the holding midfielder who has to account for both the, the runs into the box of Willock and Ramsey. If this is Isaac Hayden, Newcastle are toast. It's probably John Joe Shelby, isn't it? Transitioning into like the Rodri role. No, but seriously, like, yeah, Aaron Ramsey seems like a really obvious one. Joe Willock's obviously kind of not, not been uh, firing. Obviously, it's crazy, right? His run of scoring with every shot just suddenly ended. That's so um, weird. I thought that was so going to weird. continue forever and ever. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, him breaking Premier League records, I thought was just going to continue until yeah. he obviously surpassed Vardy and Salah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a definite option. I think one that didn't play in the Premier League, but did play in the Championship and played in Scotland, Moussa Dembele, is an interesting one. Leon, obviously, like no one wants to deal with, with Aulas and Leon aren't doing amazingly but I think if you put the money on a on the table for a player that's just come back from injury who's you know been on loan at Atleti before and, and didn't have a good time there particularly who's just not really had rhythm for the last 18 months and might benefit from a move completely um, I think he could be an option because obviously at the moment it's kind of if Callum Wilson or St. Maximan don't score or assist Newcastle don't do anything 
And and Wilson gets injured a fair bit. Yeah, and I I think he's a really good striker. Um, but they they need help and they need firepower. Mm. So yeah, let's uh, let's see where that goes. I think those are a couple of options that are a bit tangential to the um, to the championship, but slightly still linked um, in the sense they used to play in Britain. Well, neither of them are Rob Dickey. That's no, cool. no. Let's be honest. <laughs> Rob Dickey's a really good shout. Like that's a that's a really good call, Sam. Well done. I, like I, I think one. they're going to get lot. quite a few players, aren't they? Like I think if you look across their squad. There are loads of players that, like, I don't know, Lucas Dean's been linked to Juventus, mm. right? Lucas but Dean's like, an interesting one. He could player, do a new home. A player like that who Rafa Benitez clearly hates, and if he doesn't, if they don't <laughs> sack him, then he's just going to be like, well, you know, I've got well, a centre back who's they're just signed. They're just signing a new player, aren't they, to play? Yeah, they're signing. Yeah, they're signing. Well, Galeco's coming in, isn't he? So yeah. that, that's going. Uh, look, I, I think that we're going to see Luca Dean at Stamford Bridge before too long. So I'm, Ooh, I'm not fair. I think that's going to be. I think that's what's going to happen here. Luca Dean, I think, is going to be signed to play as a, as a backup to to Ben Chilwell um, because Alonso is just not doing um, enough for. Well, for that's a really that's a really good that's shout. An interesting shout. I think I think that's what's going to happen here. If I was um, smart, I'd have put that in my list, and then I'd be <laughs> there, and then, then I'd be mad at you for spoiling it. But <laughs> I haven't got it in my list. No, I look, I, I like all of these. A Dicky and Dembele for Newcastle would be a hell of a window. That would be yeah. a, that would be a real window of change, wouldn't it? So there you go. And then and, and then Lingard, Willock, and Ramsey behind, like in front of Shelby, and it's like a four-one-three-two. <laughs> That's, that was my go-to formation like FIFA, of, of FIFA right for years. Well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was my go-to formation on FIFA for years, the 4-1-3-2. It's not sustainable in real life. Things I learned to my detriment um, when Fulham decided to play it for a while. Uh, with Moussa Dembele, in fact, as part of it, with Ross McCormack up front. Yeah. So there you go. Um, right, Sam, who's next? Right, next on the list, we are going to take our sleigh away from the UK. We're going we're gonna to go to Europe and we're nice. going to visit Spain. Specifically, mm. Xavi's house. Xavi, the manager of Barcelona, again, like Eddie Howe, his team are lacking in quite a lot of areas. Like Eddie Howe, not really his fault. He's trying to fight the fires on a short-term basis and there's only so much he can do. To be honest, there's only so much Santa can do uh, for him this this Christmas. But I guess working in Xavi's favour here is that he has at least, I think, changed the culture and the attitude of the team. Um they definitely believe in themselves a little bit more. Uh, there's definitely more impetus to come back and and rescue games. They, they don't sort of fall behind and sadly fall away. They, they they show some real verve in in how they try to get climb back into games. And there's a tenacity to them. I really like it. And Xavi's already made one shrewd move here, which is to sign Danny Alves. You know, obviously can't play until January, and I expect he will come into the team in January. And he's still a good player. For those wondering, I watched him at the Olympics. He's still pretty good. He is wearing the number eight shirt though, which is deeply yeah. upsetting. He yeah. has always been good at kicking the ball. Though, uh, yeah, absolutely. And he's kept himself in good shape. He's another one of those. He's like Jorge Molina and Zlatan, just <laughs> nearing forty, but uh, kept himself in nice good shape. Nice there, knitting things we love into your well, not mm. ranking, but comparing your main Jorge Molina to Danny Alves. Lovely class. things we love. Um, but da- look, Alves is a big one for the dressing room. You know, as well as as an experienced balance of the squad, as, as well as the playing ability, I think that's a shrewd move. And I think Xavi can make another one. And it's signing Edinson Cavani in January. Barca crying out for a striker. Aguero sadly has had to retire. Brathwaite has been injured for the entire first half of the season. Basically, Luke De Jong is 
there. Luke, Luke de Jong. He's there. Um, and Memphis has been... Hopefully not for much longer. Surely they can cut that loan out I in hope January. So, yeah, Please yeah. just send him back. And Memphis has been a bit up and down as well. And I think a striker is needed, but specifically a striker that scales towards that that kind of veteran end. Again, just to address the age imbalance in the squad, it's it's just, it's just like a bunch of 17 and 19-year-olds running around out there, which is great. It's loads of fun, but like they, they do need some guiding on the pitch sometimes. And Cavani's role at United, I think it, it looks like it's done. I know he's been injured recently, so if he could have got in the team, that wouldn't have been possible anyway. But I think the Ronaldo move pretty much put a fork in Cavani at United. They signed him for free. Just let him go for free. Let him go to Barca and let him roll again. And you know, a, a player like Cavani, his off-the-ball movement in this Barca system with these playmakers behind him and a player that presses um, and provides the intensity that Cavani does... A player that can tutor Ansu Fati to an extent. You know, we've been talking about how he's played a good role in Greenwood's development and to an extent Rashford as well, I guess. He could do the same for Fati. I think this is a game changer. And it's, it's again, it's a, it's a really easy one to pull off if you're Barca. You just have to convince United that they don't need to pay Cavani his wage if he's fifth choice. Yeah. I, I think they really do need the help, uh, don't they? And... Memphis, who we don't even know if he's injured at the moment, or like Javi's come out and said, like, we're resting him because he's played every single minute for Barca and Holland. Uh, mm. I think he is injured, but I think he's kind of making the point to the fans and the board that this guy needs a break and he needs, like, I, I don't think he came in to be like the go to guy at Barca. I think he came in to be the secondary or tertiary player at Barcelona. I'm pretty sure was... Messi was still there when he uh yeah, when he saw... it, exactly <laughs> right. Like I think that's kind of what he wanted in, in, in to some extent in the same sense that like you know he was at Leon he's been their main man for ages. Then he's gone to Barca and suddenly like all this pressure and weight of expectations fallen on him because Messi's left. And I I think they definitely need some help. I mean a couple of other want away strikers and again Going back to Arsenal, Abamyang's been no, linked to no, Barcelona. No. Stop it. All right, stop it. <laughs> there's, there's one other one, and I don't think he'll make a move, but Mauro Icardi. <laughs> I oh, don't think he strikes me replace, as the You can't replace Messi with Icardi. <laughs> it, it, just, it would set the cat amongst all of the pigeons, wouldn't like, it? No. He, 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 like, you know, clearly not in PSG's plans. Is he the type of player that's going to fall in line with a Pep disciple and an authoritarian like Javi? Probably no. not, but no. like I, I, that kind of mold of striker where they're on on the way over the hill but can still <laughs> contribute, I think is probably what Barca are going to go for. Yeah, yeah. no, I, sorry. I mean, Icardi off again off the ball stuff would be perfect for this team. I just think that Barca, you know, they have a very limited budget because they have a lot of debt. They don't have a lot of wiggle room. I don't think, you know, obviously gonna, they wouldn't be buying Icardi because his price no. would be too high. It would be a loan. But I think if 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 Cavani is there, then that's like the, a much better plan. Icardi is like January 28, we've got nothing. <laughs> what the hell do we do? I, I, I That's where I become into it. Is, is there some, like, are some weird things going to happen though? Like, you know, we saw the Arthur Pjanic thing. Could we see, like, I don't know, Juve are linked with loads of strikers. Could yeah, Juve are also being investigated for that deal, aren't they? So Yeah, <laughs> but like, could, could, could we see something crazy like Juve get a striker in, they give George more minutes, and then Morata's on the way out, and where does he go? I, I don't know, like, 
I think there'll be some surprises in the window. If Morata managed to play like for Atleti, weird. Barcelona and Real Madrid, that would be quite the triumvirate, wouldn't it? It'd be, it'd be quite the trilogy, the ending that no one expected. Um, it would be what we real, all deserve, Jack. Yeah, That's what the we one all we deserve. deserve. It's what, well, geez, I, I don't know if it's what Barcelona fans deserve. They've suffered enough. Um, you, but, you guys thought it wasn't going to get worse after the Icardi shout, right? Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I, did. I'm having to play, I'm going to have to play Dean Jones's role here, Sam, um, mm. because he's not with us. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as I've heard, uh, Manchester United are willing to let Cavani go, but in the summer. Um, they're willing to let him sign a pre-contract now for to, to join another club, but they want him to stick around. They're, they're willing to let him sign a pre-contract. No, no, no. But they, That's you know, nice of them. They're, they're it's quite, his given right. Okay, all right, sure. But they're quite comfortable with it, I think, is the, is the kind of point here, rather yeah. than, um, but they're not ready to let him go because of what he brings off the pitch at the moment uh, is what the, the kind of word coming out of old trafford is yeah. um but it's, you know, it's on it's on cavani then to to basically go hey i'm drifting. I want to play some football yeah i'm drifting i need to go i need to go yeah um but yeah i i like it in terms of conceptually again big fan do i think it'll happen no hmm even if you've wrapped him up, mate. Even if you've wrapped him up, I'm, I'm not completely convinced. I tried uh, to wrap Cavani up, and he said no, and I just didn't want to. I didn't want to fight him. Yeah, exactly. No one wants to fight him. Seems like a really nice guy. Um, um, right, let's go on to your final one, shall we? My final gift is for Gerardo Seoane by Leverkusen. Nice. Um, apologies if I've mispronounced his name. I just cannot get my head around that one. He manages an incredibly talented, exciting, but clearly extremely flawed Leverkusen side. Their propensity to collapse is quite astonishing. And it has been showcased really recently with a couple of ridiculous games. They were 2-0 up against Frankfurt and ended up losing 5-2. They were 2-0 up against Hoffenheim, sailing clear and end up drawing 2-2. And uh, it does have an effect on the morale and the results because they ended the first half of the season losing to Freiburg and and slipping down out of that third place. So the gift for Seoane is actually not a player. It bucks the trend. I have found a course that he can take in building mental strength and resilience as a team leader for $400 on the internet. It says, it literally says that it is a perfect course for athletic trainers who want to utilize the mental strength coaching with their clients to help them triumph over mental obstacles that have been holding them back. Now, this for Leverkusen is, it could be huge because their transgressions in this area, they way predate the last couple of weeks. They have a nickname. By a Leverkusen because they have. Yeah, I was going to say this is this is not on Seoane. This is on the Leverkusen. D- this is the Leverkusen this DNA. Is, this DNA. is Leverkusen. They have a history of botching amazing opportunities, cup finals, title races, big leads. You name it, they've thrown them away. And I am surprised that for just given it's just four hundred dollars by Leverkusen, don't make all of their new managers take this course. It should be a prerequisite for anyone who takes that hot seat. And I think the best gift I can give Seoane and Leverkusen as a club is, is some mental strength and resilience to overcome their inner demons that just continue to haunt them year after year after year because they have so much potential. They're capable of so much. And the only thing holding them back is themselves. I mean, the other thing with, with Leverkusen, and this is this year specific, as opposed to um, just a general DNA of the club, is that they continue to play a double pivot, which includes Karim Demabai. Now, I love Demabai, right? I think he's a wonderful player, but he's very much not a, like a, a midfield that you'd play in the pivot. They basically, by putting him in a 4-2-3-1, play a 4-1-4-1, which is, again, it's very much similar to the old 4-1-3-2 we were talking about earlier, in that it's not sustainable in real life. Um, it, it doesn't work. You have 
have to play some players that actually want to shield your defense, especially especially if you're playing fullbacks who are going to who are going to bomb on. Now, at the moment, obviously, they've kind of been bad battered, I suppose, um, by injuries in in those fullback positions. They've been playing four centre backs across the back four, um, which I mean is is part of the problem um but if if, if you're going to do that and you're you know you're gonna you're gonna play some players and you know jeremy frimpong is starting to get himself back to the fitness by all accounts and, and you'd imagine they're going to go back to playing some fullbacks who can support the attack you do need to start thinking about maybe playing some players in the middle who are going to do some defensive work <laughs> um it's it's very betis under setien this so i think it's lots of fun i'm having a good time watching them i'd imagine i'd be having a less good time watching them if i supported by leverkusen with any degree of um you know of passion because i'd be like why do we keep throwing away leads and um, but i do think the answer might be just changing your formation no nope. yeah. players in the formation uh, nope. who Don't play tell. the right way i'm <laughs> surprised that we haven't seen uh, Aranguiz and Palacios in a double pivot and then yeah, maybe they would buy a bit further and then works out wide because I think when you play Schick, DRB, Vert forwards, yeah, usually Bellarabi having a great time. Yeah, Bellarabi Adley. I mean, I saw Paulinho come on the other day as yeah. well. He looked really good. So yeah. I've got loads of options there, but I just don't think you can play four there anymore. I think you've just got to play a front three and play Diaby Verts and Schick together and play like a midfield three to protect the team because like I think back is coming back, uh Frimpong's back. Um so I, I think that they yeah, they should play those high and wide fullbacks, play a bit more conservative midfield and then have just Verts, Diaby and Schick up top. But yeah, I think it's just in their DNA. It just it's it's crazy, right? Like the 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 Frankfurt one as well. I watched like maybe 30 minutes of that and it was just like every shot or every attack Frankfurt had, you just you just expected the ball to go into the back of the net. Mm. And yeah, poor Lucas Tadecki, who actually has some pretty good centre-backs in front of him in, in Tepsober and Tar. Those three must be thinking like, how is this happening to us? Like, we're actually quite good. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? You're like, we're actually quite good. The rest of our team is quite good. We've just shipped five goals to Frankfurt and we could have conceded more. Like they hit the bar. They had a few headers from like two yards out that nearly that that, that went that went just wide. Like it's just yeah, it's a crazy thing to watch at the moment, but a fun one. Very weird. Anyway, I, I've got the answer. It's a four hundred dollar strength and mental course and resilience available online. I tell you what, if you've actually put, sorted this and you've sorted out Bayer Leverkusen's DNA problem by sending their manager on a $400 course, you deserve a medal. Um, and, and with that, I think we're going to close off the presents section. Sam, well done. Very, very good. A, uh, a very enjoyable Christmas special, that. So uh, Thank well you. done. Right, after the break, we've got Dean Jones phoning in a melon of the week. And of course, the gibberish rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Rags FC podcast. It's time for my favourite part of any given week. And seeing as Dean Jones isn't with us with laryngitis, we've asked him to send us a voice note. If you can't hear it, turn it up. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week, well, actually, there's two. This week's Melons of the Week are Phil Foden and Jack Grealish. Um, look, I'll start by apologising for my voice if it sounds a bit weird, but let's crack on through this. Um, look, why can Foden and Grealish, or maybe just English people in general, not resist the urge of a night out? These two were dropped for City's 4-0 win over Newcastle at the weekend after going to a nightclub 
after that 7-0 win they had over Leeds. Now, look, generally, I wouldn't have a massive problem with it, but at this moment in time, with COVID and everything, it really is melanish. Um, City were really unhappy with the condition in which they reported the next day for, for training, which was supposed to be a recovery session. Guardiola was in Barcelona to attend Aguero's retirement um, announcement and, by all accounts, was very unimpressed when he found out about this. So he basically left them both out of the team. Um, he was asked about it after the game and was like, why were they not playing? And he, he made clear, he said, it wasn't rotation. I decided on this team because this team deserved to play and these guys got their place and not the other ones. Um, at Christmas time, I pay a lot of attention to behaviour on and off the pitch. When behaviour off the pitch is not proper, they are not going to play. Um, look, Foden, I don't particularly have him down as a troublemaker, but he got in trouble once before on England duty, didn't he? And Grealish has obviously had issues before, especially that one in lockdown where he smashed up a car and stuff, or a few cars as it turned out, and had one slipper on and one flip-flop or whatever it was. Um, he isn't building a great reputation, is he? But no, in this in this instance, like it was just stupid. They they could have got COVID. Uh, they could have brought that back into the city camp. They're not supposed to be out anyway. Guardiola wants everybody to, you know, be sensible at this moment in time. These are two lads that are potentially the best players of a generation. If they were to completely fulfil their potential, act like this though, and you get left behind. Like, just don't do it, lads. Um, people have got camera phones. You're going to be seen. You're going to be found out. You don't want to get on the wrong side of Pep Guardiola because he will leave you out. Proved it here. It's bad decision-making. You're both melons. Well, thank you very much to Dean. Um, I'm glad that we got any sort of sound out of his voice. Um, yeah. On Thursday, we recorded with him and his voice was disintegrating. Uh, it got to Friday and we got a message just saying, glad we recorded yesterday, boys. Uh, today, I cannot make any noise whatsoever. Turned out it was laryngitis. So uh, I'm glad we got the best out of him while we could. Um, mm. the gibberish alarm sam it is indeed it is indeed okay a couple of weeks ago i watched i think my first formula one race for about 20 years uh, i hadn't watched one since my dad had forced me to do it when i was a child and uh, i took three things from it that i think we should add to football to make football a better spectacle <laughs> Here we go. So this, this is, is the, this is the good stuff, isn't this it? This is, is yeah, it's three stuff. things football can take from Formula One. Um, and we start with the semi-serious one. You know, number three, their media access is absolutely amazing. And as a journalist sat there watching that pre-race coverage, you know, when they're in the paddock, I was really, really quite jealous. You've got reporters and cameras and microphones down there and on the grid, stepping around these ridiculously expensive cars, interviewing people, grabbing people, and People of note, you know, team leaders and presidents and all sorts and getting them to, to say a few words. I think the access was absolutely amazing. They take you right into the thick of it. You get the noise, you get the excitement, you get the tension. I thought it was amazing. And, you know, at football, we are still genuinely held at arm's length for so much of it. And F1 isn't, you know, it's not out on its own here. You get in the NFL, reporters go into the locker room and, and, and speak to players after the game. In AFL, there's cameras in the dressing room. You can see them warming up and doing a team talk. In football, we get... Uh, two minute, one minute of them in the tunnel, like high fiving, and that's it. And then we're off, we're off to the game. So just to, to start on a more serious note, 
I do think that we are still very much shut out of this sport and it's a real shame. And watching how the F1 really invited the journalists and the media down onto the grid just 20 minutes, 10 minutes before the race to get into the thick of it, it really takes you there and it adds to the experience. Look, I think there's a fair reason why football has closed its doors to journalists. I don't think it's a good thing. I think that, you know, now and as we kind of go into this new brave world and, and we're looking at different ways of accessing things and all the different social media platforms, et cetera, et cetera, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at how this is going to change. But you can see why football basically was like, well, you know, I'm not giving any more interviews. I'm not going to say anything in a press match conference, a post-match conference that, that might be seen as controversial because it will be splashed over every paper with negative connotations. Uh, and it did feel for a while like journalism was out to get football. And I think it's a I think it's a fallout, especially in the UK. I, I suppose this is different kind of ver- various places in the world. But in the UK, I, I think it's a fallout from that kind of 80s mentality that football was some sort of weird scourge uh, on mm. the country. Um, and it, it kind of played out that way and everything felt like it was a, a battle between football and the rest of the world. I think now we're, we're in a different place now. Right. And, and that is improving as an image. But you can understand why there's a hangover because it did feel for a while like every journalist was out to cut and dry players. And and you can see why people are reticent. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I get it. I get it. I just lament it, Jack. I lament the reality Me that too. we live in. Me too. Uh, all right. At number two, I loved the celebrity influence. So again, linked to the access down on the grid, but there was a really big celebrity influence ahead of this one. It was a particularly special race. So there was quite a lot of different celebrities involved, but you know, in other races, there have been quite notable figures down. Like Stormzy was down there having a chat with everybody. You got a Sky Sports reporter harassing Megan the Stallion a couple of weeks before that. I thought that was quite funny. I think we should be introducing celebrities on a more regular basis to the inner workings of football and specifically as well on the touchline during games. So I want to see Anton Deck on the touchline at St. James's Park. I want to see them shouting encouragement to the lads. I want to see Idris Elba barking orders at Aubameyang. I bet if Idris Elba was stood there shouting at Aubameyang, he'd run just a little bit more, possibly out of fear. And if you're Aston Villa, why haven't you got Prince William? And his mum down in the tunnel giving out inspirational pre-match handshakes for the club that they love. Why haven't you pulled that trigger yet? Come on, guys. Get the celebrities involved. Up the ante. I think it should be like the NBA, you know, when you get like a courtside seat. Mm. And you see, you know, if you, if you see it, you know, at a Lakers game, there's always like loads of celebs there. Sorry for those not very well versed in the NBA, but like it should be the same. Like behind you know, each dugout, there should be a row dedicated to celebs and they should have like a pathway <laughs> that they can just go to the touchline. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe chat to the manager, chat to the players, <laughs> like whenever they want. Make like, some stops. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know, like maybe do, they have some good do suggestions. The, do the subs board, just hold the board up if they want. <laughs> yeah, just, like who, who are we to say <laughs> that, you know, Chris Brown doesn't have some really amazing tactical insight for a Premier League team. He just like dances his way down that small path, goes up to the assistant coach and says, look, I think Matt Ritchie is shit. Let's get him <laughs> off ASAP. And the game continues. Okay. And perhaps it's, it's a masterstroke, right? Great. It, it would be great. do wonders for specific teams imagine in the Premier League. The imagine the post-match. Eddie, why did you take Matt Ritchie off after 12 minutes? Chris Brown danced his way down the steps and told me to take him off. So I and did. I was, it I reminds was me a bit. It reminds me a bit. I don't know if you remember it, but in about 2010, I think Carlsberg did a team talk advert. And it was, I think it was for, it must have been for, well, 
must have been for the World Cup that year. It was the England team talk. And it was like the players coming out of the, the dressing room. And it was like they were met by Steve Redgrave and Phil Taylor yeah. and Kelly Holmes and Jack Charlton. And then there was a lion on the steps with the ghost of Bobby Moore. And like it was like, it was all a lot, right? This is exactly what you're suggesting, basically, but just like a little bit more like real lifey. Yeah, great theatre still at its core, but yeah, quite interesting as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. And number one, I think the number one thing that we can take from Formula One into football is bollards. So on the F1 track, I noticed on certain corners, there are bollards. They're only small, and you, when you drive into them, you can sort of flick them up into the air, and then it's debris on the track, and then they have to go around and clear it, and it causes delays. Frankly, I don't know why they have them. I don't know why you would put bollards on a track where cars are going 200 miles an hour, often bumping into each other and spiraling out of control. It's dangerous enough as it is. So let's take the bollards off the track, and let's put them on the football pitch, okay? Let's put them on the pitch. Any game in which a team is a 3-1 to one underdog or more, so seriously, seriously underweighted, gets to put those bollards in the corners of their goal. Okay, it makes it harder for the outright favourite to score. So let's take Man City versus Leeds. Ilan Melier gets a bollard in each corner, left and right, helps him keep the score down, makes it harder for Man City to score. Ilan Melier plus two bollards would surely level the playing field between Leeds and City. Would it though? Yeah. yeah would it, harder, or... Much harder to score bottom corners, which is where they aim. <laughs> I just imagine Melier diving towards that that bollard and, and knocking it over while the probably, ball goes under him. Yeah, or breaking a collarbone, which is probably worse, right? Like if you're a goalkeeper, you're so used to knowing where your posts are. If there are two random bollards <laughs> in the corners as well, imagine like diving and thinking you're making a great save and you just break all your fingers on this bollard. That would that would happen. Like honestly, within three months of this being introduced, you'd have serious injuries. And then it would be like a whole segment on Sky Sports. It'd be like Carragher being like, should we have them there? And Neville would be like, I think it's ridiculous. Game's it, gone. Game's gone, honestly. Roy Kidd be livid. Also, would, would, you, would you also have the ability to transfer bollards? Like, let's say there was a specific bollard, like let's say the right side of the goal bollard for Southampton kept out like 16 goals in a season would that go for like a big transfer fee yeah Liverpool would buy it <laughs> I, it, it would definitely spice up the end of the season awards you get bollard of the year <laughs> but just imagine Liverpool Most just safe. like you know Klopp's just like yeah I mean you know we need depth in midfield we need you know probably another another forward to compete and also like our bollard's just not up to scratch and we're yeah. probably going to be in the market for a better one and obviously it's the same one it's the same it depends because now you've, you've brought in a whole new element of like how can you customise your bollard is it like Robo is, is it, it, like, like, is it, is it like F1 yeah. yeah it's a tech race like robot wars <laughs> you've just got one bollard that actually has a hand that comes out the top yeah Alison's got a button on his glove that activates <laughs> the bollard glove like. or one that comes out and takes the takes the goal kicks for you and yeah, can exactly. like directly aim it on Tommy Ass's head like every single time <laughs> high up on the right it's yeah. just yeah potentially Fantastic. Well, the realms of possibilities. Well, well there you we guys go, have taken my let's let's take the bollards out of F1 for safety reasons and put them into the football reasons for fun into a tech race and probably the dawn of robot football. So well done. Yeah, well, here we are. You know, yeah. you, you started it. We uh, we took it, it onwards. It is gibberish. 
It is gibberish. It is. And uh, no matter, Bob Shaw, I think we're probably going to call this one a day. Uh, all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to Pet for a wonderful debut. Pet, do you want to just let everyone know where they can find you online and, and where they can listen to you for some more? Sure thing. Uh, you can find me at Pet Barisha on Twitter at P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A or on LinkedIn, Petrit Barisha. P-E-T-R-I-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. Um, I've got a newsletter called Sporting Crypto, uh, which is trying to cut through the, the silliness and the noise of that world and kind of uh, explore the intersection between sports and, and crypto in a non-crazy way. Um, so that's sportingcrypto.substack if you guys want to check that out. Um, obviously, the State of Play podcast as well with Martina and Matt Santangelo. You can find that on all your favorite podcast players as well. So that's all I'll be shilling at the end of this episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Pet. It's been a real pleasure having you on. Um, and your debut, but I would suggest, I would suggest probably not the last we'll hear. Oh, brilliant. It was a, a wonderful debut. And um, thanks, of course, to Sam Ty, the rank god, our Santa Claus today. Yeah, cheers, my friend. And uh, best wishes to Dino as well. Dino, I hope your voice fixes itself soon. We do actually have quite a lot of content to record, mate. So if you could just get on that. <laughs> yeah, we'd, uh, we'd appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Um, I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much listening if you listen to us on spotify there is a new feature where you can rate the podcast out five stars you don't have to write a review you just bang that five star preferably button um and it'll help us to grow on spotify so we'd be much appreciative if you went over and gave us a rating over there if you haven't done so already someone has has not rated us five stars because our our overall rating is 4.9 yeah Yeah, you you need that. that you need that to look legit though yeah, it's and true. also big tip, and this is how you know in the past I've grown podcasts really well. Everyone, next time you're at an Apple store, rate Ranks FC five stars on Spotify and Apple on every phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like telling you, I'm telling you, most podcasts that are high up in you know the ratings and the algorithms, that's all they do. They, they go to Apple stores. Apple stores. They go to Apple stores. I've done it myself. Like, proof is in the pudding. <laughs> Can I'm you telling us? Well, there you go. Rank, rank squad. Rank squad. This is a call to arms. This is a call to arms. Rank squad. If you're near an Apple store and you haven't got anything to do, go <laughs> even if you're an Android user. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> other, other podcast platforms are available. Um, thank you so much for listening, gang. This has been Ranks FC. Have a wonderful festive period. Have a wonderful Christmas, and we will see you next week. Take it easy. Peace.